0: frank's red hot is the perfect blend of flavor and heat so you can use an entire bottle to make recipes like buffalo chicken dip or buffalo nachos or even things that
1: don't start with buffalo frank's red hot i put that on everything craig
0: we're from and fucking and fucking and we don't care yeah. we rather be from Pullman than more purple anywhere.
1: Fuck yeah.
0: I don't know if that's what they sang after. I don't know if that end part is right, but I just decided to add that <laughs> one. Ah, lots of profanity
1: right off the top. Cause this is a day that demands happy profanity, Craig.
0: Yep. And, uh, I, I did, uh, if, for those that didn't see, uh, Theo Lawson's tweet after the, that's apparently a, well with freaking instead of, Fucking, although they probably say "fucking" in the locker room. Um, um, Freaking Pullman, uh, although um, there might be a few guys on the team that don't like to drop the meth bombs. But um, Jeff Pollard. Yeah, hey, I I didn't say that. <laughs> um, it's okay, Jeff. We love you. Uh, yeah, especially after this game. Hell um, yeah! But uh, yeah, so that's apparently a chant that uh, Smith said he got from. Uh, I mean, it's it's not a. He said he got it from a a trailer. It's a it's an old soccer chant. Yeah. Like it's, uh, but and I always like to get some soccer chants in there. Hell them. yeah! Like you so, spend yeah. you
1: spend any time around soccer at all, you'll hear so you'll you'll hear teams, supporter sections sing that song, some mm-hmm.
0: variation of it. So. Yeah, yeah. that's Sanders have their own. But yeah.
1: yeah. So yeah, when I when I saw that, I was like, I about fell over, just in love because I was like, oh, that's so great. And you could sing that at, like, any game, like, any, just what, like, I'm like, yeah, it's perfect. It's way more singable than back home, too.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, (laughs) soccer chants are great for just chanting because it takes you three seconds to learn the song because you're just repeating the same thing over and over again. That's right. Usually
1: about two more times than it probably should be repeated.
0: Exactly. And... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Something that I probably should repeat as I yeah. do at the start of every episode is this yes. is podcast versus everyone.
1: God damn right it is.
0: I am Craig Powers. With me is Jeff Neusser. Jeff, yes. I know you just got back from um, <laughs> coaching fourth graders. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, um, my, my Were you uh, victorious?
1: <laughs> my elation over beating the Huskies has been tempered by our uh, blowing a four point halftime lead to a team that hadn't won a game all year. <sighs> Clearly the coach is shitty.
0: Yep. Mike we were joking Hopkins off air though.
1: Like, yeah. Mike Hopkins, we were joking off air. I was like, yeah, okay. And then I was kind of like, actually, <laughs> that's pretty good comp. Cause I also have nobody who can dribble the ball. <laughs> I have no point guard. Oh, my kids are trying so hard, but man, it is really, <laughs> really fucking hard to win games when nobody can dribble.
0: What's a what's a turnover percentage in a in a fourth oh, grader God. game like fifty oh, percent?
1: Uh, it's probably a tick below that, but it's <laughs> it's is probably in the thirty to forty percent range. It's uh
0: yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> hey, to do your lot. advanced stats on the fourth graders. Oh, Come my on, God. guys, our offensive yeah. efficiency is just yeah, hoop math.
1: Yeah, if, if if there was a hoop math, you'd be looking at like the close range shots, and it'd be like ten percent. <laughs> you know, like that's that's our problem. It's like, they it just you know we we the thing we are the best at is getting good open looks near the basket, and then the thing we are the second best at is missing those open looks. Uh, we yeah. are so good at that. We have a great like little baseline play, and we get wide open shots over and over and over, and we just miss most of them. So, anyway. <laughs> Well, that's, that was my last game of this season. So that's little
0: kids basketball.
1: How about big kids basketball?
0: Yeah, though, so uh, our uh, Washington State Cougars uh, defeated the Washington Huskies on Sunday yes, afternoon. Uh, Hell yeah! In another game where uh, WSU honored someone. They're now two and zero this season. When uh, someone's uh, Name or number gets hung in the rafters, and this time it was George Raveling, so it was cool that they could uh, put on a show again for a guest. Yeah, um, but man, uh, uh, just a like a great offensive performance considering uh, what they've done and uh, what considering it seemed like UW had a was a bad matchup for them offensively, and then a, a, another excellent defensive performance on some on a team that's um just a heck of a lot bigger and more athletic so uh especially inside. So I that was that was awesome. That was fun to watch. And of course CJ Ellaby is the man. Yes he is.
1: He went he went bonkers. Which is always great when those seattle guys get to go nuts against washington or like and we kind of have a history of this a little bit right not not necessarily seattle guys you know we had uh you know Devonte Lacey, tacoma guy do it uh so and robert franks you know although it didn't didn't translate to a win but but he kind of went bonkers against against the huskies so those west side guys they love 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 the chance to chance to prove prove the huskies wrong for not recruiting them and they definitely did that. Him and Noah Williams both had excellent games.
0: Yeah, yeah. Noah uh, didn't shoot particularly well, but um, he was a threat in the in the middle. Um, hit some 15 uh, footers, kind of keep uh, UW's defense honest and kind of open up open up the. Uh, I think open up some shots for Pollard. And um, yeah, it was just. Uh, uh, they. I mean, this is just another example of like smith knows what he's doing because i mean obviously it helped that cj went six of nine from three um but yeah that helps but but offensively what they, we've we've talked about how they kind of have went away from attacking the glass uh the offensive glass uh in pack 12 play um but they went back to it because that that's a huge weakness against the zone and that was huge uh jeff pollard had uh Let's seven see, he had Seven offensive rebounds Seven
1: offensive rebounds
0: and dj robin came in at three so it's
1: amazing
0: yeah and so they they were well above their typical uh um offensive rebounding percentage even above what UW typically allows so uh that was really cool to see them come in and do that um and then defensively uh just a just an all-out effort like that was so impressive um just uh, the job they did on Jaden McDaniels, um, you know that was Noah Williams quite a bit and some other guys as well. Really, the, McDaniels is six nine, six ten, roughly. You know, depending on where you look, um, and athletic as hell. And obviously, he's struggled um, a bit this season. And but he's still the type of guy that can that you've seen struggle and then play WSU and just via athleticism um, you know, kind of do well anyway. And he shot pretty well, but they also forced him into five turnovers, which was pretty awesome. Um, they definitely had him frustrated, drew some, uh, drew some charges, uh, stripped him a few times and, uh, um, and yeah. And, and then you got to talk, I'll let you talk about the, uh, the interior defense on Stewart, which was just phenomenal. That, that was really a guy that I thought that was going to tear the Cougs up.
1: Well the last time we saw a guy with those kinds of physical tools um well obviously you know Zeke Naji we we saw last week and he didn't really have a great game um and so it seems like maybe they've kind of figured out a way to
0: Yeah and before it, that I, it was the uh the guy from USC Yeah so the, that's the Don point Wu. I'm
1: I, Yeah that was the point I was kind of building towards cuz I was like okay so they had the game against USC where I mean basically they just got annihilated right um, and he just, you know, constantly put the ball on the floor, was constantly putting our less athletic bigs in, in positions where, uh, they had no, you know, no real shot at, at, at defending. Um, and then, you know, last weekend, obviously they had a pretty good game plan for Najee and, you know, eventually they, it was the, you know, the stretch center who ended up killing them. Right. Um, and so in this game, you know, they, one thing that's amazing and, and look, you know, I'm not a coach. I mean, I, I think I've, I'm sure I've said that plenty of times before, but um, you know, I'm not a coach, so I don't always know exactly how they accomplish what they're accomplishing, but I can, I can see what they're doing at least see, see the outcome. Right. And what I saw repeatedly was just a a total inability for Washington to get the ball to Stewart in places where he could really do damage. Um, one of the things that was super obvious was as soon as he caught the ball, they were running a double team at him. Um, and you know, and I was surprised that they never, that, that Washington never really adjusted to that, um, I was surprised that they never really, you know, tried to get it in a spot where, you know, the double team couldn't come quite so easily or get it, you know, get the ball to him in a spot where he could kind of put it on the floor and maybe take a couple dribbles to the basket. Um, and, and, you know, I don't watch a ton of Washington, so I'm not even be honest. I'm not even totally positive how much of that's in his game, but you know, he certainly looks athletic enough that, that he could put the ball on the floor twice, you know, with two dribbles. Yeah. Um, and, and he just didn't, re- they just didn't do that. And and so I guess the thing that was most sort of startling to me was that, you know, whatever game plan Washington state came out with, uh, UW just never really adjusted. They never, they didn't seem to have a counter at all for, uh, you know, the, the defensive setup that was trying to keep, I mean, it was clearly, clearly, clearly geared towards making sure Stewart wasn't the guy that beat them. And you know they they played. You know we played Pollard most of the game. Uh, you know there was uh, plenty of Markovetsky in there for stretches. Uh, you know two guys that theoretically Stewart should really be able to manhandle with uh, maybe a quick move or a quick drop step, and and he just didn't. I mean, I, you know how many points did he finish with? Thirteen something like that.
0: Eleven. Right. Yeah.
1: Uh, eleven. Okay, so he finished with eleven. Two of those or two two buckets. So four of those points were off uh, poor defense on inbounds plays. So that means he scored seven points off basically, you know, run of play type, you know, buckets. Um, and I think at, at least one, maybe two were jumpers. So it was just like, I, I mean, he just never, ever, ever got to a sp- like the kinds of spots where he just destroys people. Um, WSU deserves a lot of credit for that. But, you know, you dub, man, they just real lack of creativity, real lack of commitment. So um, they just looked like they really did not know what they wanted to do offensively. And and again, some of that is Washington state taking them out of stuff, but
0: well, the one thing really I, amazing, I like that WSU did. And, and I, I could be wrong on this, but first from what I recall watching the game once is they weren't doubling from the, the closest shooter. They were doubling from across the lane. Yes. And, true. and that's something that the Bennett that uh, you see in the pack defense a lot, you see a, a double you know, they double with the big or they double with the guy who's guarding the corner guy. So it's a harder pass to make. Um, you're forcing them. It's, it's obviously a longer way for the double to come. So you have to be paying attention and have good anticipation. But, um, yeah, they, they just, they were, I mean, they were working their asses off on defense, which we've seen over and over again. Um, and, and the same with, um, defensive rebounding, they were completely dominant in defensive rebounding. Um, Giving up less than twenty one percent of which is well below uh, what Washington normally does, and even better than uh, what uh, WSU usually gives up. So uh, they were, and it was you know it wasn't Pollard you know boxing out Stewart. It was Pollard you know and then grabbing the board. You know it's just every man crashing the board. You know mm-hmm. and and then and then really another thing that we were you know hoping for um, is to get a few turnovers and get some runouts. And they did, they, they, they definitely got some runouts off of turnovers. The funny thing is they didn't convert all those to buckets. No. Um, we saw a lot of missed layups. um, and that was just kept feeling like something that was going to come back to bite them. Um, uh, but ultimately it didn't. Something that I kind of, uh, uh, realized, uh, partially through, you know, with about, um, you know, it's probably about ten minutes left. Uh, it was U Dub had drawn closer, um, maybe with like within five or so. Um, but I just thought, you know what? Like U Dub has it, recently just faltered down the stretch over and over again. Yep. And WSU at home at least has just um, pulled away from teams, or and and just close or, you know, in the, in, against UCLA, you know, close out. And, um, I mean, obviously Arizona state accepted there, but like they've, they've done this before where they've just pulled away from a team down the stretch. And, uh, they did that, you know, it, it obviously hitting free throws was huge. They were already in the double bonus really early. Um, another great thing. They were drawing fouls. Like it, it's not always the easiest thing to do in a zone. Um, to draw fouls, but they were uh, they were doing that even though they weren't always getting all the calls that they um, deserved. Um, but uh, but yeah, so it um, if it came in, you know, uh, they missed a couple, and then all of a sudden, you know, Bonton gets on the line, hits six, Pollard hits a couple, CJ hits a couple, like, and then the game's just put away. It's kind of funny when you look at the highlight package, like the last bucket is like a CJ bucket to put them up like like six or something, and then it just skips to the end. And, like, they had scored, like, 14 more points, but it's because most of them were, were just uh, free throws, and they just closed out with free throws at the end. And that was good to see. And then, obviously, with the defense, they totally locked UW down in the last, you know, three minutes or so. Just gave them nothing except, you know, they got one uh, meaningless bucket with, like, a dunk with, like, 30 seconds left. But other than that, just completely locked them down and – um yeah just it's it's fun to you know beat UW uh when they they're coming off this i mean obviously a lot of teams have beaten them but uh most of their games have been uh really close losses but um to beat them by double digits with their five star recruits and you know uh featured n b a draft picks next year uh, you know potential lottery picks it, it's just it was so satisfying like yeah. just to be like like you know what we just got this like bunch of dudes and CJ Allaby. <laughs> we got Noah Williams who you guys didn't, you know, who was going to go to Buffalo, you guys were going to let go to Buffalo. Um and he came to us and he obviously was he was very clearly hyped to play and he was chatting. Um and him and him and McDaniel's and CJ all played on the same AAU rotary yep. team. Yep. So you know that they know each other and you know that they know each other's games really well. Oh hell yeah. Um, and and you know was, they
1: love beating each other
0: absolutely, and so it was just fun to watch them have so much fun with it, and and to watch CJ just go off, uh, much like Bonton did against Oregon State. Um, and Bonton is a guy from the Portland area. Yep. Um, so uh, you know, it's just it's fun to see them go off like that.
1: Yeah, it's you know, <clears throat> Washington. It, it, I think sort of an underrated aspect of of this. You know, this fall from grace that they've had, um, you know, everybody points to the point guard and, you know, OK, Quad. You know, it's like, OK, great. You know, you've lost your point guard. The offense sucks. But, um, you know, when you look at their offensive efficiencies over the course of the season, they had some real, real stinkers even when he was around, you know. So their offense was was pretty inconsistent, and kind of up and down. The one thing that they seemed to always be able to count on was their defense. Um, you know, that, that zone when it's going right can be pretty suffocating, but it's, it's not going right, (laughs) right now. Uh, I think, uh, so I was looking at it. I'm not looking at it right now, but I think in the last five games, they've allowed 1.03 points per possession or more, I think in all each of the last five games, which is, um, you know, that's not horrendous, but that's nowhere near elite. Um, and, and for a defense that, you know, was supposed to be elite. Um, you know, that's, that's definitely not it. So they've just got all kinds of problems and, you know, they really, you know, you never really know how a bunch of freshmen are going to come together. Right. And, you know, Hopkins comes in last year and he's got some seniors and, you know, particularly Thibel, who's, a you know, appeared to have been a real strong leader. Uh, and then, you know, those guys, him and David Crisp, you know, those guys move on and then, uh, you know, you're left with a bunch of freshmen, and man, they are uh, they are struggling. Man, they 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 just look really soft. And you know, they came into Pullman and played a team that is tough as nails and fights very hard and uh, has taken on the personality of of their coach and of their town. You know, freaking Pullman. And uh, you know, they they make things happen. Now we'll see what happens when they go on the road, and I'm, you know, we'll talk about that. But um, you know, overall. They <laughs> man, it's just so much fun to watch these guys. I think, you know, that's the biggest thing. You just watch, and it's like, I mean, this game, like, <laughs> I kept expecting. Okay, so we get out to that lead in the first half, and then we have the uh, the quintessential dry spell, right? Right. UW closes the gap. Then we hit a couple buckets right before halftime to get back up to five. Okay, great. We're up by five, and then it gets back, you know, UW comes out 5-0. Psh, psh, okay, great. Six lead changes over the next, you know, five minutes or whatever. Okay, this is what we've got. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be right down to the wire. And then, like, we extended it out. And then Washington would kind of get sort of close. And then we'd extend it out again. And then Washington would get kind of close. Then we'd extend it out again. it's just like, man, we didn't relinquish the lead over the final, like, 15 minutes. Like, it was never, like... I think it was within one possession one time. If I remember right over those yeah. final 15, whatever, that's just bonkers. It's crazy. So yeah, it's, Oh, there sure is a lot of fun. This sure is a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. And yeah, it's just, uh, it's fun to, to you know, not, like you just didn't want to be that team that kind of let Washington get back, you yeah. know, uh, get back going, uh, uh, I didn't, you didn't want to be that team to let them end their long losing streak and all that stuff. And, and they, they came out and they were motivated. And obviously they have uh, really loved playing at home during yeah. Pac-12 play, especially. And so they've, they've had fun with that. Um, they had a decent crowd, you know, I, it's kind of, I think back when I was in school, even like the first couple of years with Dick uh, Bennett, like we, we, the attendance would be great, but Seems like the U-Dub game was always like eight thousand plus. Uh, this one was uh, under five thousand still. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see that it. Yeah, I, I guess like even UW wasn't <clears throat> a good enough draw. I think that uh, a Sunday afternoon game doesn't help. Obviously, um, but but yeah, the uh, one thing they do they only sell the lower bowl tickets. So it um, all five thousand of those people were in the lower bowl. Um, so, or 4,600, however many it was. Right. So I think it, there was a good atmosphere at least. Um, and I, I, I hope that, you know, we, we, we can talk about the, the next, uh, ones coming up, but, uh, you know, you just hope they can keep the momentum from this, um, we finally do something on the road. Um, cause they have some games they definitely can compete in, um, on the road here. Uh, a team they've already beaten, obviously um so it's it's uh it's fun to you know we talked about before this stretch just for the sake of keeping people's interest in the program it'd be great if we could get two of these three at home at least yeah and they did that like it's they did against a uh, you know the number 62 team in Kempom and the number 53 team in Kempom so um they they like did what they needed to do they both those games they played high tempo uh, like it's it's kind of crazy that the this team is now um 73rd nationally in adjusted tempo right um which is it's pretty, pretty wild when you think wild. of a
1: team that everybody's like oh you know they play tough defense and hard nosed defense but you know turnovers will uh will get that pace up so
0: they're second in uh t- their're second in uh tempo in uh pac 12 play as well so Um, they'll, they, yeah, they'll push the, they'll push it when they need to. And they definitely did that when they could, they did just to, um, you know, obviously defensive rebounding was a priority, but when they could break, like if a guard picked up the board, he would turn and dribble, like just push, push just to see if they could get something before you dub set up. Of course that changed, um, towards the end of the game, they were clearly trying to milk clock yeah um and UW as they was, should have been you deb was trying to press them and, and get them to take quick shots but um they weren't falling for it and and yeah. uh that worked out really well so it was yeah. nice to bounce back um you know you and i were worried after the arizona game that's another team with a bunch of athletic dudes uh and just to the point where we, we couldn't guard everyone but uh, washington um they were able to guard um and uh guard really well Point eight. 0.89 points per possession, which is very good. Um, I will say Washington has held has been held to that quite often. <laughs> um, but just uh, to have our guys do it as well, um, just speaks to that they are playing D, and uh, now they're 85th-ranked uh, defense on Kempom, which is uh, a far cry from where they were last year when they were 284th in adjusted <laughs> so... defensive efficiency. So so remarkable two, nearly 200 spot jump um they're they're it's about they're remarkable. about five points lower than the um national average in uh in uh points per possession um last year they were uh almost six points higher than the national average so,
1: and and the offense is only like 40 45 spots worse
0: yeah and <laughs> like when you're but but actually in the offense in conference play is better relatively uh is so that they're they're ranked 10th i mean it's lower but like everyone's worse at offense this year like across the board in basketball um so they're 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 10th in um offensive efficiency in uh pac-12 play and last year uh they finished 11th so um they've actually just relative to their competition um competition is a lot tougher this year in the pac-12 we've talked about that a million times Um, just to get, already have five wins in the bank. Um, I mean, if they, if they can get another three or four somehow, like I, Kyle Smith has to be considered and possibly just has to be the Pac-12 coach of the year. I don't know how many more wins it would take, but this is like, when you're looking at, they haven't won more than 14 games or they haven't, they haven't won 14 games. And uh, what was it since 2012, I think. Um, and th- just to, take the roster that he had and had to turn over um to uh if you just look at the the Pierre Ken palm rankings like to go from uh two hundred two hundred and seventh now they're sitting at one twenty four um when you're looking at the adjusted efficiency margin um they are um average per a hundred uh possessions efficiency um Four point six five more points than an average opponent. Um, last year they were at negative three point seven nine. So you're talking about like over a hundred possessions against an average team. This team is roughly eight. Like they're more than eight points better, right, than last year. Right. Like that's an insane amount of improvement. Yep. In in one season.
1: Well, and and, what's remarkable about it is with pretty much a turned over roster, right? Like. It's not even that, you know, he took the same guys. Now, it would be really, really, really impressive if it was the same guys. But there's also an impressive element to it of, you know, really throwing together a roster, essentially.
0: Yeah, and, know, and losing losing the, the team's best player. Yeah. Like, you lose uh, the team's
1: best player. You get a bunch of other dudes to transfer. Uh, you know, and so you just go, well, okay, great. And then he brings in, you know, he brings in Bonton and Miller and Williams and shed and Cannon and Markovetsky and rap and Rodman and James. James. So it's like, it's like, you know, like you brought in like eight guys and most of those guys are playing two of the guys that were grad transfers who were supposed to be heavy contributors have been injured. Like it's crazy, it's absolutely bonkers. I mean, you've got right now. You know, we we haven't talked about this, but Koontz didn't play on Sunday. We can only assume he's injured. I know he's had like a foot thing, so yeah. that's a guy who was starting early in the year. He's injured right now. Like, like it's in like I like I, I I want to try to not just be like Kyle Smith is a god, but it's like you know it's it's awfully hard to get away from that. I mean, they've they've been decimated by injuries. It's been nuts. Now, granted, they haven't had to deal with an injury to like say C.J. Ellaby, which would be a you know a different deal altogether. Or or even I would even say, and I know people are still, you know, Isaac Bonton is still everybody's favorite whipping boy, but um, you know, losing him would be also a major, major, major injury. So we haven't had like that kind of an injury. But man, when you're talking about you know, Shed and Cannon and uh, and James, and then Tony Miller being out, and now Coons being. Out. It's just like, my God! And they just you know the true freshmen, these guys that nobody else wanted, more or less. I mean, Noah Williams, yes, but Buffalo, right? I mean, Buffalo's no a,
0: in the Power Five. Yeah, I mean, Buffalo's you know, a nice, six.
1: Buffalo's a nice mid major. It's not to totally rip on Buffalo, but that's a, that's a nice mid major. That's not like. A power five school you know so you know you take that true freshman you take another true freshman of uh you know rodman who's a guy who you know committed late uh you know you take mark Avedsky, who's a seven footer who you know apparently no you know nobody else necessarily wanted you know and how many seven footers go uncommitted for that long right like even internationally and so okay. it's just, you know, Smith brought these guys together and he's built them into something that were these guys who, you know, even like Markovetsky earlier in the year, were like, hey, yay, yay. you know, I don't know if that dude can play at all until next year. And he's even turned into a useful, a really useful piece like in Rodman
0: defensively. Yeah.
1: And like just just by being and I'm sure this is the message from Smith, but it's like, just be big. Right. Like just be big, move your feet, be big, pull down rebounds. And when he pulls down rebounds, he really, really pulls down rebounds. You know, it's seven foot one or whatever he is. You know, when he catches that ball above his head, I mean, nobody else is getting it. Um, You know, he's just turned these guys into useful pieces. DJ Rodman, you know, is like basically a three and D guy right now. And I do think he can develop his game, but that's basically what he is. And he's doing a hell of a job with it. So You know, everybody wants to be, oh, he's the son of Dennis Rodman. Well, I will say this, like whatever, like whatever there is in the genes that makes uh, Rodman's excellent defenders, he got it because he's just like all over guys and he's really, really good at that. So, and then, you know, of course, Noah Williams looking like Kyle Weaver look alike, which, you know, I think we always try to resist easy comparisons, but this one's pretty impossible to resist, right?
0: Yeah, I, I, you know, and the the funny thing is, I think uh, what their their offensive games are a little different, but they both are a tall guy who can. Uh, Noah has not played point as much as Weaver did his freshman year, right? Um, he's definitely Noah's definitely been a little bit better shooter, um, but Kyle was a little more of a, a slasher, um, but yeah, it's but defensively they're so so similar, um, and just uh, they're roughly the same size. Noah's more athletic. Um, if he can develop his game, develop his jumper, uh, add the ability to, uh, drive to the basket a little more. Um, he's, he's got a lot of potential, you know, um, you see these guys who have these, you know, his offense, offensive rating sucks right now, but you see these guys who have these, you know, not so good offensive ratings that kind of jump after a year of being in major ball and, um, he's definitely got, uh, he's got the tools and, and he's just, he seems like a motivated kid that's going to improve. And I, yeah, it's just, he just looks like just the things he does just remind you so much of Kyle Weaver. It's insane. And even just when you look at the stats, like (laughs) it's just, it's kind of eerily similar to Kyle Weaver's freshman year. And like, Um,
1: just the same kind of all around game, right? I mean, he's got this wingspan, he plays defense and, you know, he doesn't really shoot yet. And, you know, he, he, you know, he just is disruptive. Um, the demeanors are completely different. Oh yeah. Not even, I mean, uh, really, really, really different. But you know, other than that, man, just remarkable. like you said, remarkably similar, the, the, the things they do, Uh, Just being a disruptive force, you know, stealing the ball, forcing bad shots, uh, you know, getting a handful of rebounds, you know, really, you know, excellent passers, Um, you know, again, need to add the three point shot as freshman. You can see like, man, if he just had this part of his arsenal, then man, he'd be unstoppable. And of course, if he was that unstoppable, he would not have landed with us, but um you know yeah when he adds that you know a true uh, real threat of a three-point shot he's going to be boy he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna make some people miserable because he's just you know when when teams have to really charge out on that three-point shot he's going to put it on the floor and he's going to dunk on some people
0: yeah if it's just a one of three type or you know one of four situation even that would that would make a huge difference just the fact that he takes them you know um and makes an occasional one so they have to because right now yeah he he gets largely ignored out there unless he's already hit one which is only happened four times so it doesn't come right. very often right um but yeah he's just so much fun to watch and i love his swagger um it's 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 just a teams, good, need yeah, you know, you teams need that yeah teams need guys like that, that that guy yeah that guy that's you know you know you can have the mix of the you know guys you know that like Pollard and Ellaby, who I'd say probably don't talk. I mean, Ellaby talks to the crowd, but I don't think he talks that much. Bonton, I think, has got you know he's not afraid to to mix it up. But I he's got that smile, it. though. You know what he does? Yeah, he takes. He's, he's got that yeah.
1: great looking smile, and he just smiles at guys, which is kind of the I, that's my favorite kind of trash talk. But
0: anyway, yeah. So that was um, yeah, Kyle Smith, coach of the year. Make it happen. Yeah, Hell honestly, yeah. just if they they could go down and uh if they could win win uh a couple more on the road beat cal uh maybe uh, upset you know beat maybe beat you dub or like you know that, that it's there if they if they can get to 8 and 10 or 9 and 9 um that yeah, the it, i don't know how they like i don't know like i don't know who else in the league I mean, what are you going to give it to Altman or or Miller? Like, what? Like they they basically just have the same teams they had last year, or or they just have like big recruit, you know, freshman recruits. I don't, I don't know. Like, it's it's. Uh, I mean, it's
1: probably Altman. You know, I, I you yeah. Know, they, they have a they have a history of giving that award. To I mean, Tad Boyle too.
0: League, but, but
1: Tad Boyle's a pretty good candidate too. Yeah, know, because I, mean, I don't cause... I don't know that anybody really expected this uh, expected
0: Colorado to be
1: this good it'll yeah. probably go to whoever wins the league right yeah I mean, probably how usually i
0: go. mean honestly if Tad Boyle wins it i wouldn't i wouldn't be mad about that they they've taken quite a big leap this year i
1: mean promise. they were supposed to be pretty good i mean ken Palm projected them at 37th entering the year and they're 21 right now and they're so 21 I mean. but the difference it and i think you know this is something that you know you and i don't talk about a lot but we both cuz it doesn't really apply to our school uh but we we both understand that like the difference of, you know, 20 spots or 15 spots from 37 to 21 is actually a pretty big difference versus 15 spots from, you know, 140 to 125. Right. Like the, the spread and efficiency margin, you know, bunches up as you get farther down. Um, and so up up towards the top, you know, kind of the, to move from that 37 to 21 range is actually – it's actually a pretty big deal and, and a pretty good move. So
0: Let's put some numbers on it. So um, Colorado to go from 37, St. Mary's, to Colorado 21. That's 3.21 points.
1: Per like 100 Like
0: if, if you go, so WSU started at, what did they start, 163? One, I, I was going to say like 165, something like 164 that. 164 they started at. Um so WSU's at plus 4.65. The 164 team is at well Jeff you just you're uh am I wrong? Yeah. Am I? <laughs> <laughs> well this is more but it's more slots as well. That's true it is. It's but like it's, 40 it's, it's, it's like
1: 40 spots though. Yeah, so what yeah. what so would what would 140
0: be? Okay, 140 is yeah, 2.42. So yeah, it's a smaller gap. It's a half the gap. Right. So them, half so. the gap
1: to move up 14 spots. From one forty to one- tw- or sixteen spots from one forty to one twenty four versus moving up sixteen spots from thirty seven to twenty one for Colorado is how ha- it's it's twice the margin we just totally confused everybody but whatever. yeah whatever the whole um, point is the whole point is it's harder to move from thirty seven to twenty one than it is to move from so what we're
0: to saying to is tad Boyle for yeah twelve coach of the year and i would you know
1: i wouldn't argue with that i mean that's you know again i it, you know it's going to come down to who wins the league but um, you know, Kyle Smith would have a real, you know, (laughs) a real, real, uh, claim on that again, not just, not just because, you know, we were supposed to be bad and we are, you know, much less bad than we were expected to be. But I think, you know, when you take into context, all of the injuries, right, the roster turnover. So he puts together this roster and guys that were supposed to be contributors, you know, ended up not contributing, um, you know, dudes who, uh, you know, or true freshmen who weren't really on anybody's radar coming in and, and playing really well. I mean, I just, I, I don't know how you look at this league and go, yeah, somebody else did a better coaching job than Kyle Smith. Like I, like I know that coach of the year is, you know, is sort of a season achievement award for the person who wins the league for the most part, same with player of the year and you know, whatever. But um, I don't know how you look at what Kyle Smith has done and say, oh yeah, this other guy did a better coaching job. Like I just right. can't, I can't imagine anybody making a case. So you know, a few people have said Mark Fox. Um and, and that's true. I mean, you know, Cal was in a uh you know, Cal was in perhaps a more sorry state uh, than we were, but um I, I will say that Cal has not dealt or you know, Mark Fox has not dealt with the kind of challenges that Kyle Smith has had to deal with. So I'll just leave it at that.
0: Yeah, and uh Cal started the season at one seventy nine and they're currently at one seventy six. Yep. Yep,
1: they do have four pack 12 wins, which, you know, I think I guess people are measuring the same way we are right where we're going. We got five pack 12 wins. Right. So, you know, Cal is Cal Cal's better than than I think, you know, you and I thought they would be. But, you know, yeah, again, they, you know, Mark Fox has not dealt with what what we've dealt with. So.
0: Yeah. So Helps get that. out of here, Mark Fox. You're That's not right. in this conversation. Nah, nah. Retread. All right, you're going to take a break and then yeah. talk about next week.
1: Let's do it. Week. Let's do it. We're back. You having a beer? I am. I had a uh, I had a coffee, like most of a coffee, while I was coaching the fourth graders. Because got to stay alert, and so uh, so I came home and drank a coffee flavored beer. Had there you a. Go. Had a good old Skookum Brewery barrel aged breakfast stout.
0: Skookum again.
1: That's right. I had they had some at uh, Rainier Growlers, so so I picked one up. It's been sitting in my fridge for about a month, and I was like, I'm gonna have that because that sounds good. And you know what? It's good.
0: You've had it before. I have multiple past times years, not mm-hmm. this year, right? yeah not this I've one give, i know i've given it to you before.
1: that is that is correct you have and given it to me before Skookum,
0: uh, proud unofficial brewery of the podcast just because <laughs> just because their um, beer is fucking awesome th- their beer has been on here mostly because of jeff <laughs> like uh, a million i years. know um
1: we need it like we need we need sponsors man that's what we we need you know what we really need we need like an agent Someone to well, go. We do have now.
0: sponsors, courtesy of SB Nation. That's
1: true. That's true. We do have. I don't know what's. I. I haven't listened to one of our ads lately
0: to know who's who it is. No, or, I have no idea. Is it still Progressive
1: or maybe, you know, shut down Full Cast?
0: Yeah, probably, probably like there's probably like a Mike Bloomberg ad in there or something, because <laughs> he's everywhere.
1: I quit if they put a Donald Trump ad on this shit. <laughs> I'm just saying.
0: That's why you should just never listen. You'll never. That's know. That's probably a good idea. I swear uh, to God, if
1: I find that out,
0: I don't think they would do that. I don't but, think uh, so either. Um, yeah, you know, we got we're 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 voxed. Are you drinking we're, anything? Yeah, dude, of course. What, Come well, on. of course
1: you are. So, what are you drinking?
0: Um, I'm drinking a. a, a I, I tried to find something that had uh, a, a good name, but I just I just just went and grabbed one. Uh, this is a Carcosa from Structures Brewing. Mm. Like um, structures. structures is in Bham, Bellingham. Yes, it is. Um, they're in that kind of downtown. I don't know if it's called downtown. That kind of that strip. Um, they're pretty close. To, they're pretty close to where Aslan Brewing is located. Yep, um, and uh, they are excellent brewery. One of the best in Washington. Um, this is a, a Pinot Noir barrel aged saison with a whole bunch of raspberries. Ooh. Um, Skagit Valley organic raspberries. Um, this is a very, very good beer. Um, you know, cause the Saison, it's not, it's, it's not like super tart. It's just got beautiful, like raspberry character. I, this beer is, this particular bottle is probably about a, like a year and a half old, I want to say, uh, maybe more. Um, and actually it's better than I remember. Um, the raspberries kind of gave it this this kind of, uh, it, it, when it was fresh, the raspberries gave it this kind of like uh, latex smell, um, but now it doesn't have that. It's just got a real nice raspberry smell still, even though it's this old, and, and it's just a beautiful drinker. Um, I'm glad I grabbed it. I've had the bottle just sitting there for a long time. It's got a real cool bottle. It's uh, got like a... a you know, a, a, cow, uh, or, uh, a, a cow or a cow or whatever. The, like a, I guess it's more like a, a deer skull, and then uh, kind of a tree and a moon, and it's black and white, and it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I, I looked up what Carcosa is. It's some, it's some uh, literature thing. I don't know, some reference to some story. <laughs>
1: I um, should probably know that.
0: No, I don't. I don't think it's that. Uh, Are you sure? I'm the English yeah. teacher. I know, but I don't think you teach whatever that I, story was there, sure, which sure I already sure forgot I about. I'm sure um But yeah, it's very good. Highly recommend Structures. I've been to their brewery before. It's a real small brewery, but uh, they make a lot of great stuff. Um, they have a, a barrel club that I decided not to join because it's kind of expensive, but um, I've heard their barrel-age stuff is killing it and awesome. Um, yeah, the, I know people that drive up, from, like, Tacoma to get Structure's special IPA releases and stuff. So uh, people are pretty hyped about them. If they were in Seattle, they'd probably be, like, crazy hyped. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they, they're a very good brewery. Highly recommend if you're ever up north. Um, and, you know, maybe driving to Canada, you need to stop over in Bellingham or something. Um, actually, Bellingham's is just a great place if you want to just go uh, do a little beer tourism. There's yeah. a whole bunch of good breweries there um yeah so that is uh carcosa from structures i am enjoying that right now uh, i also have a holy mountain three fates pilsner to uh get me home after that um yeah so that's beer man uh now we got road basketball which sometimes causes me to drink Uh <laughs> womp, womp. Womp, womp.
1: <laughs> oh, do you feel like it might be different this time
0: no, I'm just. I'm not going to fall into that <laughs> trap, dude. Look at so we beat UCLA. We go on the road, lose to Cal, True. and then get just destroyed by, by Stanford, Stanford. Um, who Stanford who maybe a little bit easier come next time we yeah. play them by Without, the way. Without uh, sadly De Silva, yeah, yep. um, who is Poor the guy, guy that shredded us. But we'll get to that next week. Poor uh, guy. Um, but yeah, so. Obviously, WSU's already beaten UCLA, but, you know, but OT wins at home don't necessarily translate to wins on the road.
1: Especially not when uh UCLA has risen like uh 40 spots or so in the last
0: like 3 weeks in the. Yeah. So, Chris Chris <laughs> Like Smith... they
1: like they have turned it on in the last yeah.
0: month. Well, they always have good players. Yep.
1: <laughs> And they've um, got a good coach now. Mick Cronin's a good coach. Like yeah. he was not an inspired hire, um, but sometimes, you know, you don't, you don't get the inspired hire, but you get the, like a guy who can actually like, you know, do the job. And uh, Cronin has obviously figured something out
0: with them. No, they're not even playing great D it's just,
1: <laughs> well, they did. I mean, I mean in their last, okay. I guess that's yeah, I was going to really say really in their well. last four games, Arizona state was, was the outlier, but they held Arizona to 52 points in 61 possessions. They held Utah to 57 points in 65 and Colorado, which is the number one offense in the, in the conference and conference play to 68 points in 65 possessions. So yeah, they've, they've, they have clearly, clearly figured. So outside of two performances, Oregon and Arizona state shredded them, but the rest of them, they're either right around 1.0 points per possession or well below it. So yeah they're they they have clearly figured something out defensively um since losing to us and then losing subsequently to usc and stanford so
0: and there was a a guy who wasn't playing all that well before wsu but actually gave us quite a bit of trouble and that's chris smith who's really risen to be their best player and really one of the best players in the conference um he's playing really really well yeah um he is uh he's taken a lot more shots in conference play. He's he's just become their focal point and he really wasn't before. I remember previewing them, he was you know, he was a guy that you could see with that had potential because of his size, his athleticism um but he really he played really well against WSU um and then you know, had 22 on 13 shot or 14 shots so um, he gave us a lot of trouble and I fully expect him to do that again because he's actually just kind of continued that, um, throughout the rest of conference play. Um, cause obviously we were the second, you know, second game of conference play. So he's really yeah. turned it on. Um, so yeah, they've, uh, they've got their, you know, they've got their score and now they've, they're playing defense and they're definitely a tougher out than they were, but you, the same could probably be safe for us as well, honestly. Yep. Um. Uh, WSU's, you know, we've got a couple guys back. Um, you probably see Tony Miller and, and Marvin Cannon get a few more minutes, especially on a, on a road trip. Um, so, and I, I feel I feel like actually, like Miller did pretty well against UCLA that weekend, and yep, and so there, uh, maybe he'll get some more run. Um, but yeah, it's there, there. But the, yeah, again, they they've played good defense, and uh, WSU has. I, for whatever reason uh been horrible defensively on the road um impact well play um probably just period but um yeah they've really struggled. I don't know what it is uh I I've seen uh, I think Kempom right that it's not necessarily the the home run splits aren't really predictive but at some point you just got to be like maybe they just love that home cooking and they play a little harder on defense but because like when you look at um their, uh, you know, most of their all their worst uh, defensive performances um, have come on the road in the, yeah. you know, their last uh, their last uh, four road games.
1: I do feel like some of that is explainable to some degree. So. So, OK, so let me try to be like, hey, this is this could be better. Um, OK, so giving up, you know, one point oh five to Cal is not the end of the world like that's not horrendous, you know. Um giving up 1.27 to Stanford is really really bad, but at that point Stanford was maybe the best team in the league. At that point maybe at least playing like it. So, you know, you go on the on the road and again they they were just you know, I think Stanford was a really just exceptionally bad matchup for us. Um, you know, just very like like the kind of defense that gives us a huge amount of problems. Right. Like not all that different from say Arizona, which obviously gave us huge problems as well. So, you know, on the one hand I think, okay, so Stanford, you know, is sort of explainable Um, and then Colorado. Okay. The number one offense in the league and in league play, you know, getting shredded by them, no shame there. And then you get shredded by Utah, which I mean, whatever it's, you know, we we talked ad nauseum about that, right. Where uh, you know, playing the mountain road trip is a disaster for most people. So Um, so I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe that's all explainable and maybe playing it, you know, poly will not be as crazy as we think. Um, you know, I don't know. And and I feel like, you know, I feel like this team is better now than it was a month ago. Um, you know, certainly they're getting contributions from freshmen who are playing better than they were a month ago. Um, I sure would like it if Isaac Bonton, you know, after I kind of got done defending him a little bit, I sure would like it if he'd just turn it over less right now. Um, that's, that's sort of, yeah,
0: the, he's really ticked that up lately. He,
1: oh man. And the funny thing was like, he wasn't turning it over at all early in the season, but like, as we sort of figured out that was because he was just shooting every time he touched the ball. <laughs> so it's, it's hard to turn the ball over if you're never passing it. Um, and so now that he's really functioning as, as the team's primary point guard, cause that was, you know, early in the year, the, the setup was that he was really the the two guard. Um, and that Shed was going to be your your point guard, and that Bonton was kind of be the you know kind of the primary backup. Um, you know now that he's your primary point guard, you know he's he's making some questionable passes. He's he's he is an excellent passer. Um, he he can make some
0: really really nice passes. He made he, a really nice uh, wrap around yeah. in the lane pass to yep. Markovetsky that Markovetsky couldn't handle. Yeah,
1: which um, counted as a turnover for Bonton, but still yeah. it's it's. Yeah, if he could just get a little more under control with the passing, just a little bit, like maybe not forcing the issue quite as much, um, you know, and stay away from that kind of trouble, um, you know, I'd, I'd I'd feel a lot better. So, I don't know. I mean, I I you know, as fans, we can tuck ourselves into anything, right? And and I feel like I can talk myself into okay, you know, there's reasons for all this other stuff. I mean, the the one to Cal is the one that's you know, one point oh five isn't, you know, again, the end of the world, but is also like. I mean, that's, you know, Cal's pretty bad. <laughs> that's, that's not good. Um, the rest of them, I think I can, I can explain to some degree. So I don't know. I'm really, I'm really curious. I'm not gonna be able to watch any of them. Like I'll be on an airplane when, uh, when we're playing UCLA, but um, you know, I think I'll, I'll be disappointed if I get on the ground and find out that it wasn't at least a, a competitive game.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'll, I'm just in. I'll see it when I believe it. Like, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. That's, and that's totally um, fair. Yeah. I, I, uh, it's just that if you go back to, um, uh, their defense was pretty bad in that tournament they played, um, in, uh, wherever the, the nice place. Yeah. Um, they were, <laughs> it's just been such a stark difference yeah. because you talk about the matchups, but Arizona has all the talent that, uh, and, and the offensive talent that Stanford does. And Arizona was barely over a point per possession. Um, you, you, you look at, you know, even like you could think you their, their offense has been pretty bad, but they have the same sort of athletes that maybe Utah, like the size that Utah has, uh, so they could have shredded us, uh, but they didn't. And so I – you know, I'll I'll wait. And, you know, I I I believe that they can play better defense and, uh, you know, hold UCLA to, you know, 1.0 uh, or below. But, uh, but I'll see it when I believe it. I just yeah. – I, I don't know why uh, the splits are like they are. You know, obviously you had the explanations, but it's still that, you know, they've just been t- – just – it's such an astronomical difference.
1: Well, what's wild about it is that as you as you look at the four factors, really the biggest difference is
0: just the shooting defense has gone to shit. Like well, that's it's a two point shooting, particularly. I, yeah, I, giving more, giving way up, way more easy buckets. Yeah,
1: so that's what's so weird is that it's not like okay, maybe. And, and the other thing is, you know, the I think we talked about this, you know, free throw rate and, and turnovers, but. Um, But the biggest difference is, you know, you look at Cal, okay, Cal has a 55 effective field goal percentage, uh, Stanford 69 uh, effective field goal percentage, Colorado 54, Utah 67, like that, those are bonkers numbers, and when we put them in context, okay, you know, so USC when they beat us, 52 effective field goal percentage, UCLA 47 uh, Oregon 54 Oregon state 52 Arizona state 45 Arizona 43 and Washington 48 so like the the uh, the shooting percentages are way way up on the road and again like you said it's it's elevated 2 point percentage so I don't know I don't know I I would guess that that you know this is keeping Kyle Smith up at night too is trying to try to figure out you know, why, why is it that they can't, uh, you know, keep people out of the lane? Why is it that they can't, um, you know, defend the three point line quite the same way they do? I, I I don't like there's a part of me that just wants to go like it. it, It's kind of like what you referred to. I mean, there's, there's, there's a part of you that wants to go, okay, this has to be randomness to some degree, right? right? Like that's, that's what you want to believe that the rational part of your brain wants to believe that there's some randomness here, but I don't know. It's also when it's, you know, five games or whatever, you're like, well, or four games, I guess you're just like, eh, you know, yeah, maybe it's not randomness. I don't know. So, yeah,
0: yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. The offensively, they, uh, it's, they've, they've played really, they, they've they had two really good offensive games, uh, you know, well, one particularly good offensive game and then uh, Oregon and UW, they had good offensive games, but um, so and those are both has, with
1: one guy going nuts
0: yeah so the offense has it's hasn't been ter- too terribly different but it's really been the um the defense that has let them down um like you know you think that arizona state game that they won they really won that you know obviously because uh lb but they hit hit shot at the end but they were really good on defense so that allowed them to not score for you know six minutes at a time and still win and um but it's uh they just don't get those sort they don't get that sort of defense on the road yet um like you talk about randomness you know like i i keep thinking back to that that weekend in arizona last year like, (laughs) like
1: yeah yeah continue
0: where one of Ernie Kent's probably worst team goes down and beats two top 100 teams on the road. Spanks them, absolutely obliterates them. With this, behind what? Behind defense, like it was, <laughs> they behind scored defense barely over one point possession in those games. They just, but they, they they held Arizona State. So let me let me pull it up. It's
1: it's I'm looking at it right now. It's point eight two which was it's, which okay so this is the thing okay so it's point eight two, which was their second lowest offensive performance of the season and then arizona two days later held them to point eight two. also arizona's fourth lowest output of the season like what the fuck <laughs> there's,
0: Wait, there's no rational explanation this for is that. the 284th ranked defense defensive efficiency <laughs> in the country <laughs> And it, like, so it's just like, well, if they can go on the road and just play fucking defense for a weekend yeah, why for can't, one weekend, why can't this team that actually plays defense go on the road and I'll, play defense you know what? for a weekend?
1: I love that kind of thinking. I absolutely yeah. love that. I love that.
0: But I still I'll see it, I'll believe it when I see it. But yeah. at the same time, I know like you and I think in quite a bit. And you know it sit there. You look at what Ken Palm says. It's thirty three percent probability that WC wins yeah. on Thursday. Yeah. Uh, but that's with an average f- score of five point difference. You think about average score is five point difference. WC just has to make up five points somewhere. You know, six points to win. Like that's 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 how that's. But college basketball is so random that's you know, that's two banked three pointers like they had against UW. Like that's yeah. like it's 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 not that crazy. Like yeah. we think of we think of like we well, we just saw WSU was in they were like 131 and they beat UW who was you know fifty. Yeah. But coming in, it was roughly it was like a forty, 60, 40 split. Um so it really didn't not that much has to go no. differently no. for a team to pull an upset. Um so not that much has to go differently for WSU to you know number 124 WSU to beat number 103 UCL on the road um it is more likely that UCLA wins based on you know camp yeah, card it's abilities. 2 to 1 but it's 2 to 1 but like uh that's not that crazy in sports like a 33% no, chance all. win team w- no, wins all the all. time yeah. and uh, yeah but so it's uh i mean they win 33% of the time which is like fairly often um one out of 3 one out of three is not... There's. It's funny. Certain situations, people would think one out of three is not so bad. and um, certain situations, they would think that was terrible. So if someone said, like, you were going to do something, uh, do some sort of uh, a stunt, and they said you had a 33% chance of dying, would you do it? Yeah, I mean, probably. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I so don't think so. In that, in that situation... <laughs> In that situation, you don't think thirty it thirty three percent sounds like a lot. But people look at like something like a political election yeah. or look at something like a basketball game and they go, thirty three percent, oh they're never gonna they're win. Never like that's gonna ridiculous. Win. Yeah. Like but if you if you had thirty three percent a chance of dying doing something, you would think that is too much. That, that is, is definitely that's possible. A lot. So this is definitely possible, um, based on Ken I love numbers. that. I've
1: I've yeah. never I have never heard probabilities described that way. I love that. That's, hey, that's
0: that was my my one year of grad school. That's a great uh, example. Statistics uh, got you well. And here's another way to think of it:
1: if you add up the probability of UCLA and USC, we have a fifty-five percent chance of coming away with one win. So
0: yeah, there you go. And I, yeah. So let's let's talk about USC a little bit. Yeah, I don't feel, um,
1: I don't feel good about that one.
0: I don't feel good about that one. <laughs> Obviously, I, I have. There's no reason for me to think we suddenly. I mean, but well, USC's
1: it, not that
0: good. They and they've definitely not been good lately. No, um, close losses they, though.
1: Close losses to Arizona State. Close loss to Arizona. That's true. So but that was on the road, and both so. on the road.
0: But yeah, they, I don't know. They, they got they, smoked uh, at
1: home by Colorado, but yeah, you know, and they Colorado's barely beat really, Utah. Yeah, I mean, Colorado's really, really good. So.
0: Color is yeah. really, really good, and then sometimes not good. Like, I don't
1: know. that's yeah. I mean, that's true. But,
0: uh, but they, but they're. I don't know, man. Double OT really, loss
1: really to good. Oregon. Yeah. Single On possession. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, these. Yeah, they've uh. They just got absolutely matchup. whooped by UW. Uh, that was a different time in the world. Yeah. The I'm, the first game against WSU, WSU really had a shot. They yeah. could not, but they literally could not hit a shot. Yeah. Like they just couldn't. Yeah. Like, make a totally basket. agree um and it wasn't that usc was forcing them like into too many tough shots they like you know you had that was the game when lb went three of 22 or whatever yep so this is like if Ellaby goes you know seven of 22 they win that game you know there's a good chance they win that game because a few of those are threes you know so it's like uh it they definitely like just i they're definitely out better offensively than they were in at at that point they're better offensively now obviously cj is cooking bonton's playing better offensively yeah. i know he didn't have a great offensive game but he really has been a lot better yeah. um, in Pac-12 play offensively i mean he was until cj kind of uh riz up rose up the last few games uh bonton had been our best offensive player impact in conference play um but uh but yeah but i you know they they played overall really good defense against USC the first time, but still you know, Akangwu, they had no answer for him, right? Uh, and UCLA USC remembers, that. of course we remember that. Akangwu um, probably we were talking about. We never saw Stewart put it on the floor. Akangwu definitely can do yes, that. Yes, he can. <laughs> um, no
1: doubt. Here is the thing, though, that I am really really curious to see. Okay, so we spent you know, however many minutes earlier in the show uh, talk, you know, just effusively praising Kyle Smith. Right. And okay. Kyle Smith coach of the year. He's amazing. All this stuff. Okay. So this week commences the second time around against
0: all these teams the fir- for the first. Yeah. The first time they played a, right? a second time. Yep.
1: And so if we think Kyle Smith is really that great, then I mean, isn't there on some level, some expectation that, okay, you know, they're going to come out in this game with a better idea, with a better plan, with a with right. a way to take away whatever it is that the other team wants to do um, better than what, you know, they did the first time. And I think, you know, I, I don't know, like, I mean, maybe not. I mean, maybe he's, you know, I mean, maybe that's overstating his ability, but I kind of feel like, you know, it's not unreasonable to think, well, you know. Like they're gonna have a plan for you know taking away you know such and such guy you know they're they're gonna have a plan for um, at least to make the team beat them in a different way, which you know you can still lose, but I, I feel like that's gonna be uh, what the Cougars are gonna to bring to the table in these games this weekend is you know make making these teams uh, try to do something different uh, you know to win the game and and I feel like they've they've got the Cougars have smart enough players on the floor to be able to to be able to execute that and you know hopefully they're you know hopefully they're playing with with some high confidence and they can take that on the road i think um you know they they got you know the bench was very very short the last road trip um you know and, and i'm i'm hoping that this time around you know with with a few more yeah, bodies the last road trip was peak injuries yeah and so uh, you know they got a few more bodies um you know maybe confidence is a little higher uh, and maybe they don't, you know, the way Kyle Smith says it is that, you know, they they, they hang their heads a little bit uh, when things aren't quite going the way they want. Um, you know, here's the hope they can bring, you know, some of that mental toughness I know they have uh, out on the road.
0: So one thing that I think will help against uh, USC, particularly um, a USC defend like it defends the interior really well uh, they you know, obviously they got they got Rikosevich and Akangwu and they got big dudes down there, uh, Mobley. Uh, they, they, you know, there's a bunch of guys that they have, uh, that make it tough to finish. You know, it's not, it's not a team that Bonton's going to drive to the basket and score against very often. Right. And, uh, CJ is, you know, not going to, you know, he'll, he'll get a shot block probably if, if he goes in with that, you know, that lefty scoop that he loves. Um, but, uh, they, WSU is shooting threes a lot better than they were. Yep, And that has been a huge reason why they've been able to yep. do better offensively. Massive difference. It's about and, time
1: that goes on the road, by the way.
0: And, and USC, not great at defending the three. They kind of allow – I mean, they're not bad, but they, they, they allow more than um, you probably should. Um, and they don't shoot very many. Um, so uh, WSU is not going to let them shoot very many threes because uh, WSU is one of the best teams in the country at limiting three-point attempts and then uh usc is, is one of the worst teams the country had taking them so really like it it comes like you look at this and you're like make some damn threes and and you can you got a shot because yep. they're not going to make any threes yep. like, you can make up so much ground like we, we saw ernie's teams occasionally beat like a team because they right. just made like a thousand threes yep. Like and of course they never had that philosophy on defense, but whatever. Um, but but yeah, if you don't let them shoot threes and you sh- you make a bunch of threes, yeah, let's see let's see CJ and Bonton or CJ Bonton anyone Rodman whoever just hit hit some threes on the road for once. And you know uh, of course they did you know they they have done that a little bit like they did it in in the mountains. They just got nothing inside, and that's what you kind of worry about when they didn't play defense. So if the defense can travel a little bit, hit some threes steal steal one of these games like that would be just great like just to get that first road win you know obviously i think ucla is a better shot but um usc is not unbeatable no and uh i I think you know it'd be great if they could get one of these get that first road win of the year you know get to six and seven or so um with uh with a a two more home games left uh, um, two more winnable home games coming right after that because uh, really, they—it's kind of a—it's kind of a silly, uh, you know, you know, arbit—it's not—it's not necessarily arbitrary, but it'd be really cool if they could uh, finish with a winning record, like that. I—I I know they want to do that, like, and, and I think it'd just be fun to see that yeah. happen Absolutely. with all the, all the, the terrible basketball that we have seen for many years. Yeah, one so, hundred um, percent. So, and to do that in the regular season, you need to win at least two more. Uh, conference games and getting one this weekend would really help.
1: Yep, no doubt. And if this this team could somehow get to, you know, seven Pac-12 wins, eight Pac-12 wins, I mean, that's like, it's, you know, it's reminiscent of Dick Bennett's first season, right? Where, you know, he shows up and all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, they won seven Pac-12 games. That's incredible. You know. They they won eight, actually. Did they win eight? Yeah. Well, I
0: shortchanged him. Anyway,
1: I remember it was very impressive, and uh, it was like, "Where did oh, that?" Sorry, come I
0: looked from? at I, I looked at the wrong team. They won seven. Maybe. Okay, yeah. Well, that's yeah. The, I, I I clicked on USC <sighs> that year. Actually, that was weird. I was like, I, USC won eight. Questioning, my, <laughs> um, questioning won eight. myself well, I mean, there for a sec. No, I, I I I had thought seven forever too, and I clicked and I saw eight, but I was looking at the wrong team, so that's why. Um, but yeah, they won seven. I just remember that yeah. because uh, back then only eight teams went to the Pac-10 tournament. And so it was the first time in the new version of the Pac-10 tournament that yeah. WSU made it. It was such a big deal. I remember yep. um, I remember just them having this... I remember the last game of the season, just having Like, after they nearly beat Stanford, um, they should have beat Stanford. Uh, it was not a five-second call. Yeah. He called timeout. Whatever. Whatever. Um, uh, just, you know, just going over a 15-year-old, pain, 16-year-old pain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh yeah, that was the first like legitimate insane crowd I saw at Beasley. Yeah. Um, and I could talk about that game, but uh, but but anyway, so that so they I remember the next Saturday going to the Saturday after that going to the game, and we had to win to uh, make sure that they went to the Pac tournament, and we're playing Cal. And everyone was just like, oh, we're going to beat Cal. No problem. And I just saw them play with so much confidence. And they whooped up on Cal. Like, it was so crazy to watch. I remember Jeff Varum at the end of the game, like towards the end of the game, had like a breakaway. And everyone was like super excited because obviously Varum could dunk the ball. And he just goes up, has this smile on his face. And I remember I was sitting behind the basket. So I saw his smile on his face. And he went up and just laid it up like really soft. Yeah. But it was like it was wild, like because you had this feeling at WSU game, like oh, they're gonna destroy this team, like it's it's fine, yeah. And and they did, and um, you're kind of getting that. Uh, there's there'd be a few games if they like. I again, Cal is next week, and I I just I, they really shouldn't lose that game, and and, no. and I, I think we'll be pretty confident. But no, I'll be
1: pretty pissed off if
0: they lose that game. But. Also, if you want some uh, parallels and uh, more parallels between the Bennett's and uh, Kyle Smith, um, in Paul Graham's last season, WC was two hundred eight, and then in Dick Bennett's first season, they finished one twenty six. Yeah, and so uh, Ernie Kent they finished two hundred seven last year, and they're currently at one twenty four right now. Yeah,
1: almost exact. Yep, it's pretty cool. Here is another so funny thing. I was looking at uh, Dick Bennett's first first team. Uh, so they won those seven games, and they did not. Uh, they did not beat a top 100 team in Pac 12 play. Now, part of the reason for that,
0: at all the entire season,
1: you know. yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole season, they did not have a top 100 win all season. And as we as we were talking about earlier today, WCU already has four of those this season. First time in whatever. Five years, four years that that they've beaten four. Five years. Five years they've beaten four Pac-12 teams or four four top 100 teams in a season. Ernie's first year. Yeah, Ernie's first year. But Dick Bennett's first year, check this out. The Pac-10 was the ninth ranked conference in Ken Palm that year. Real bad. That's insanely bad for a Power Five. They were behind Conference USA, the WAC, and the Mountain West. And, 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 okay, so this gets even better, right? That was the year Stanford was thirty and two. They were the number twelve, 12 team overall. Yeah. So you you had a ten team league. You had the number twelve team, and your league overall was still the ninth, the ninth ranked league.
0: Well, yeah, they had Ugh, so, that league was so yeah, bad. Eight, eight teams were a hundred or worse. Oh, that's so bad. Yeah, that's actually bad. it was actually six,
1: but but yeah. Six teams, a hundred. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, six. I'm, I'm doing. Oh, yeah, the math six out of the 60 percent yeah, of the 60%. league was ranked hundred worst. Like
0: In a major conference. Oh, yeah, they were bad. That was so a, that bad. was real bad. Something in that I mean, that was good for WSU to be able to. Yeah. You know, definite that, that benefit. Bennett got that softer yeah. landing. You definite know? benefit. <laughs> but they definitely uh, the Pac-10 got a lot better. Yeah. Uh, oh, God, when, within by the, the time within WSU like three years good. it was insane. Yeah. By the time WSU got good, everyone else got good. Yeah. Because um then you go. You go in 2008, WSU's peak year when they finished 10th. Uh, nine of the 10 teams are in the top 70.
1: Yeah. Like the and, hardest And then league. you have
0: Oregon State, who is just a free win for everyone. Yeah. But, but other free than Free two wins for everyone. But, yeah. But yeah, nine of the top 10 teams are in the top 70. And then in Dixford. And we're talking this year, it's quite a bit different as well. We've talked about this a lot, but um, Pac-10, the average... Uh, a, 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 a efficiency, adjusted efficiency margin average per team is uh, 11.34 points per 100 possessions uh, last year it was at they were the seventh conference this year they're the fourth uh, last year it was at 7.48 uh, points so um, just overall the average per team is you know four points better uh, per 100 possessions against a, uh, an average team so this is quite a, a lot tougher conference so uh, to be able to um, win more games, I, w- I think before the uh, season or before the the conference play started, you and I were kind of trying to hedge quite a bit. Um, I, I probably I wouldn't have put them at five five and six right now. No, uh, no heck, uh, no. And uh, just trying to hedge, like, oh, this conference pretty tough this year, but um, they've really obviously at home where they've won all five of those all five of those ones at home. They've been able to scrape, and, and uh, it's just been real impressive and fun. And um, I, that's why I just hope they can keep it going, get at least a win this weekend, just keep that fun going. Yeah, I'd,
1: I'd like to see them take it on the road, as we talked about.
0: Yeah, take it on the road, like raging against the machine. Hell yeah! Oh my god, bro, we are going to rage against the machine. Oh uh, yeah! I set the timer for on my uh, on my calendar to. One of my I students
1: came up to me and was like, "Hey." did you hear rage against machines coming to Tacoma said, yeah. He goes, okay, good. And I was like, how'd you, how'd you know I listened to rage against the machine? He goes, I don't know. You just have like this, like this social justice vibe to you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah.
0: Do you, do you you listen to run the jewels? I I, I don't, I I don't. They're, they're, they're pretty great as well. Okay. Um, I really like Run the Jewels, so that concert. Even though I don't like arena concerts, yeah, uh,
1: and the Tacoma Dome is weird anyway. Like, yeah,
0: it's it's not the
1: the greatest concert venue, but
0: (laughs) I I think I think once Key Arena gets remodeled, a lot of these conferences will go back. I mean, Tacoma
1: Dome isn't really good good at anything, so.
0: Just, I don't know, I've never went to one of the monster truck rallies there. Yeah. There. That's true. I've not been to that.
1: But I've been to enough concerts there. I will say the Michael Bublé concert was pretty
0: great. That that was that was cool. From Michael Bublé to Rage Against the Machine. Hell
1: yeah. Also the concert I went to there before Michael Bublé was uh, Garth Brooks. So Garth Brooks to Michael Bublé to Rage Against the Machine.
0: I have it seen feels. I have seen uh Korn there. Ooh. Trying to remember who played with Corn, there was a another new metal band. Biscuit. It might have, no, I don't. <laughs> no, that was at Ozfest. <laughs> but but uh, I but I also saw uh, Slipknot and Mudvayne and Rammstein. Ooh, Slipknot. Um, that was my new metal days when I was like fourteen. Yeah, Attible. I remember driving over on a school night. My dad was like, "Well, I I could drive. I wasn't old enough. But I got an older kid." came with me some older kids came with me and we it was kind of dumb like very stupid high schooler uh we had cars that could ride all four of us but we took two different cars <laughs> uh but uh so we went over my dad's like fine you can go over but you have to go to school the next day and I'm living in Yakima so we got back at I don't know two or three <laughs> my ears still ringing and I remember my dad getting me up in the morning. He's like, your or dad and mom, they're like, you're going to school. Like you said, you'd go to school. If you you could only go to this concert, if you go to school, did you
1: actually go to your classes?
0: Oh, I did. And did you I, stay I, awake
1: during your classes?
0: Uh, no.
1: <laughs> if you were in my class and you were like, yo, I went over to this concert. I'd be like,
0: all right, I get it. It's cool. <laughs> i won't tell it's that was a different time man because i had a a shirt from Ozfest, yeah that i wore in high school oh my god that said on the back the greatest fucking show on earth like with fucking and i would wear it to school and i was like i don't know like i was a nice kid like i I didn't get into trouble too much and so the teachers just didn't give me much trouble yeah sometimes teachers have
1: bigger fish to fry
0: yeah they're just like whatever Let's not stir the Just pot. Just like with I like Craig you over there. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened to that shirt.
1: Oh,
0: it's beautiful. I don't know. All right. Well, you know what? I'm by the way, for rage,
1: one thing we didn't talk about at all was uh, was the George Raveling
0: thing. Yeah, that was cool. Which I didn't see it all. I yeah, remember. I didn't.
1: I didn't really see it either. But that was cool, right?
0: Yeah, that's really cool. It was cool they had him talk on the on the um on the broadcast. Uh Corey Matthews obviously was very excited um to be able to talk to him. Um so that was really cool. Uh you know, talk about it, you know, his uh you know, his pass as obviously the, the first uh, major conference black uh, yeah. blackhead coach and uh just also just a really good coach and, and having um His arm and other things, uh, you know, uh, so that it's uh, it's really cool that he that they did that. Um, um, It's I think it just speaks to Pat Chun again. Yeah, Um, because it seems like something that should have happened a long time ago.
1: Seems like it. Well, there's a lot of things with Wazoo that's it seems like and, you know, seems like this should have been a no brainer. And yet.
0: But like, we should be really, like, that's something WSU should be very proud of. Yeah, um, absolutely. Having hired Raveling and, um, when they did. And, and so it's, uh, obviously, you know, he's in the Hall of Fame. And, yeah. uh, I'm at 82, so I'm glad they did it. Um, I do think, uh, just as a joke, I, I want to see a, a side-by-side of the difference in the suit that Clay Thompson wore and the suit that George Raveling wore. <laughs> Yeah. Little uh Raveling's was a little bit roomier. Clay's had room bit. for nothing. Yeah, no. Two no Clay was sharp.
1: But uh yeah, I you know, it's funny. Um so I came to Wazoo in nineteen ninety five. Um and so obviously George Raveling was, was not just like way before my time, but you know, also, you know, I was, I was a husky fan, but he was even he was there before I was even you know, aware of of 72 to eighty-three. Yeah. I mean, 72 to 83. So, you know, by, by 1983, I was, I was six years old and definitely not paying attention to, uh, WC basketball at that time. But it, and so I think that one of the things I love about, about these kinds of ceremonies sometimes is that, um, you know, they, they open up some context to maybe some younger people such as myself. And I'm, I'm certainly not young, but I'm also, uh, you know, not really old enough to have, you know, been around, uh, aware of of Raveling's uh, presence. And, you know, one of the things that sort of stood out to me was that I I guess I never I guess I never realized how long he had been at Wazoo, um, you know, 11, 11 seasons, is a long damn time. So really, you know, we look at, you know, Mike Leach, who was just here for eight years. Right. And we're like, God, he was here for so long, you know? And, you know, Mike Price, I think, uh, what was it with him? 14 years, right? Something like that. You know, so, okay, so 14 years. So, so raveling is like, you know, in, you know, in between those two guys. And so to, you know, look at, you know, 11 years, like that's, that's a long time. And I guess I just, I I thought like somewhere in my brain, I kind of felt like it was shorter than that. And to kind of see like how long he was there. Um, and to have the success he did where I think, uh, gosh, I think I saw in one of our comment threads, he was something like 60 games over 500, you know, while he was there two tournament appearances,
0: um, 10 over 500 in conference, 10 play over
1: 500 in conference play. Um, you know, and, and not only that, but coaching at a time when the tournament field was much smaller. So yeah,
0: until hit maybe the end of his, yeah. Uh, time at washington state it was basically you had to win you had to beat you had to beat ucla yeah for the top spot to get in the tournament yeah
1: and then you know the other thing that you know you talked about him being you know the first black coach uh you know in the Pac 12 or Pac Pac 8 or whatever it was it, Pac 8 right at the time um you know i think the thing that sort of stood out to me that, that i kind of had to you know get, get straight in my brain you know i People of my age, I think, and and I don't want to speak for everybody, but, but we kind of think of, okay, the 1960s were this very, you know, sort of, you know, civil rights decade, right? Um, And then the seventies were this different kind of decade with, you know, disco and, you know, whatever, Um, you know, so for him to start coaching though at, at Wazoo in 1972, I mean, that's, that's just, you know, that's only a few years after, you know, Martin Luther King was assassinated, you know, Robert Kennedy was assassinated, like, you know, that was still very much in the throes of the, of the civil rights movement. And so to be, you know, the first black coach in, in the conference history at that time, I, I guess like, I don't know. And, and I think part of it has to do with, you know, maybe being a little bit older and, and being a little bit more aware of, you know, issues of social justice and civil rights and, and, and things like that. But, uh, you know, I, I think this weekend was really the first time I kind of went, Oh man, that was like, So close to what we consider sort of the peak of the civil rights movement when he was hired. And that's a really big damn deal. Um, And it was just something that made me really, really proud uh, to be a Coug. You know, I don't know how other people felt about it, but to just sort of have it hit me all at once. Like he was here for a long time. He was hired at a time that was, you know, really just very on the shortly on the back end of, of the civil rights. What we consider sort of the the peak of the civil rights movement. Um, you know, Pullman, I mean, we're just, if we're just being real, you know, Pullman, Pullman has been a lily white place for a long time. Um, and has been a place where, uh, you know, minorities have struggled, I I think to gain the, the, uh, you know, the, the the equity of access to, to things that, that, you know, is good and right. Um, so, so to see raveling there, I just kind of went, actually, that was really fucking cool. Like, I don't know. Like it just sort of hit me. It was way cooler than than I thought it would be. So, I, I don't know. What What did you think as you were, as you were thinking about all those issues?
0: Yeah, I think it was amazing. You, you know, it's you know, you talk about uh, he he was providing security during the I Have a Dream speech, and he has he has uh, he has the original copy. Yeah, that's bananas, and, right? Yeah, and so like that's that's insane, and 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 he's and he coached at WSU for eleven years, and it's like. Uh, it, that's a that's it goes back to like why didn't we do this earlier? Like, one, how many WSU basketball coaches have a record like that? Not very many. Not many for that length of time as well. Like, yeah, Tony Bennett also went to two turns, but he left like after three years. So it's like yeah, we're not going to hang quick as a banner could. for him. Um, but yeah, he he stayed here a long time. I remember I've seen many years, kind of the older Cougs and the. That went to WSU in the late '70s, early '80s, talking about how Beasley was rocking back then, and and you know they had you know ten thousand plus crowds all the time, and it was loud and it was crazy and tough place to play. Um, obviously, people have a lot more different things to do now. Like a, a basketball game would have been a much bigger deal back then. I'm I. I, I I would think that the students probably have other, th- like they probably are distracted by a hundred million other things and same for alumni, um, now, but, uh, but just, he, part of that probably is cause he had been there so long and he had had success and, and, um, and so people just came and I remember just people always talk about how great it was and Ravlin was there. And, and I was on the same page as you. i for some reason, I had it in my mind that he coached at WC for like four years. Yeah, went to a couple of tournaments and then left. Yeah, because
1: okay. So when I was growing up, he was the coach at USC, right? And it was like, oh, you know, I th- I think PJ said that in his in his Sunday piece as well. Like his memories of George Ravling or at USC, mine too. And so it's like, oh, footnote. He used to coach at Washington State. Okay, that's yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, like like just like you. So I mean, I don't mean to interrupt, but it's like yeah, like like somewhere in my mind, I was like, oh, just he was there for a few years and. Then he went on to, you know, Iowa and USC and went on to bigger and better things, you know, whatever. So, yeah.
0: It's definitely his longest tenure of his head coaching career was at WSU. And yeah, it's, 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 it's wild. And so, yeah, again, like the, the more you're, you know, you're, you're, they're talking about it and you're like, yeah, they definitely should have done this earlier. And I, but For I'm sure. glad we have a, I'm glad we have an administration now that, uh, recognizes the importance of, um, highlighting things like that and sees like the, the power it has obviously, uh, bringing back clay, that was a stroke of genius. So, you know, he taking advantage of him being injured for a year yep. and saying like, Hey, let's retire this number. Let's build it. Like they, they, they made a great coaching hire, like, and then they've had these two events just to highlight the history of WSC basketball as well. Um, just to kind of say like, Hey, like we have some history, we, we can do this. Um, I think it's just been just in, I don't know, like just Patchon is just enormously impressive, like every at every turn, and um, I'm so glad that they did this. Uh, it's a really fun uh, and just uh, uh, yeah, it just informs us younger Coogs, yeah, about um, an important part. Uh, of, of WSU went back when it was, it was probably even, uh, even harder for a WSU team to win. Oh yeah. And, um, no doubt.
1: And harder to get into the tournament, right? I mean, they get to these two yeah. tournaments. I mean, and
0: when it was 30, the two, he got in, it was, it was 32 32
1: teams, teams so. yeah. you know, really, really different. And yet, uh, tied for first won a tournament game yeah, too. and tied for first in tournament appearances with Tony Bennett. Um, yep. you know, among, among coaches who coached for 10 or more years, there's only four coaches who've coached for 10 or more years. You know, Jack Friel had the highest winning percentage. Uh, Fred Boulder was next. And then there's Raveling. So uh higher winning percentage than Marv Harshman, quite a bit higher actually. So yeah, yeah really cool, man. I, yeah, I, I'm glad I got to learn yeah, something cool, a little. Like, I'm glad I got to learn a little more about it. I'm glad I got to figure out, um, got to, got to appreciate. Um, and, and like, you know, like I said, the you know, kind of tying back into the rage against the machine stuff, Um, you know, I was talking with that student. I just kind of said, you know, the older I get, the more I see the the injustices around me. And I think, you know, a lot of times it's the other way around for a lot of people. Yeah, it typically is. Where it's like, you know, you're, you're a teenager or a college student. You're like, oh, there's so much injustice. Well, you know, I grew up, I mean, I didn't grow up privileged. I grew up in what I would consider, you know, like kind of lower middle class, but, um, but I am a white male. Which means I have a certain level of privilege, you know, just built in. Um, and I had parents who were, you know, really committed to getting me to college, so I had that bit of privilege built in as well. Yeah, that helps a lot. And so, you know, there was that piece. And so, I, and I grew up like a lot of, uh, you know, like a lot of middle class ish, you know, white guys, where it's like, oh, I'm so I'm so smart, and I'm such a, you know, I'm such a hard worker, and I have earned all of this. Um, you know, and the older i 've got and and particularly you know teaching I think opens your eyes to this you know quite a bit as you as you see a lot of the you know systemic injustices that uh, you know result in a lack of equity and uh, access and things like that. Um, you know the older i 've gotten, the more i 've just kind of looked around and went, oh my god there 's just so much like there 's just so so much um, you know that that 's not right and it, and I think it makes me appreciate more. Uh, the achievement of somebody like George Raveling, who, um, you know, really was 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 a pioneer, and and I think someone put in the comments, uh, someone who was you know a at that time, um, kind of talked about how, you know, if you go back and look at the old Chinooks, right, the yearbooks, um, you know, yeah. and you look in the athletic department and you look at what you just see white faces everywhere, um, you know, mostly on most of the teams and the coaching staffs for sure and. Um, you know, so for Raveling to, to come in and, and do that and, you know, that the the idea was, you know, OK, so, you know, black coach isn't going to be able to recruit or, you know, whatever. And, um, you know, can't coach because, you know, black people are are stupid. I mean, that, that was the idea. Right. And um, for him to come in and just sort of blow all that out of the water um, and again, to be to be ours uh, you know, it's it's, again, just, just really, really cool. And, and he's pretty old. So I'm glad we got to do this and and I'm glad he got to do it at a game that was well attended because I think if they do this at, I don't know, next week against Cal or two weeks from now against Cal or whatever, um, you know, so you raise, you raise into the banner in front of, you know, 1500 people, (laughs) you know, I think doing it at Washington was, um, was really smart because you knew there was going to be, you know, pretty good attendance anyway. Um, and so that, you know, allowed him to be properly appreciated, I think, and and for him to to be able to be a part of that, um, and for people to be able to show their appreciation and have his name hanging up there next to Clay Thompson's, and I, I just you know, it's very cool. It was very cool all around, and I don't know, man. I don't know what I'm going to do if our athletic department keeps doing stuff right. I'm going to start expecting it.
0: It's oh, wild. Yeah, I'm bummed. I, if it was a Saturday game, I I think I probably would have went. Yeah. But was the Sunday, yeah, Sunday it hard, games but are tough, and I, I, think, the think, better. Better, uh, I think the attendance would have been better. I think the attendance
1: would have been better if it had been a Saturday game, yeah.
0: but but it, it was pretty good. It was and, still good. It was I about know, five thousand. Just a one last interesting like tidbit about uh, Ravelling. Do you know who he, who who uh, he succeeded at Iowa? Uh no. When he left WSU, uh-uh. Lute Olson.
1: Oh, I did know that. So I didn't that was Wilson's last job before Yeah, Arizona. yeah, before he went to Arizona. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ah.
0: Pretty well. That's, that's
1: pretty. That's that's a couple pretty good coaches right in a row.
0: Yeah. And he took him to a couple of tournaments and went to USC and Yeah. A couple of tournaments there too. How
1: about that? Good coach, man. Go Coogs. Go Cougs. Ah, oh, all right. People should subscribe. They should rate us. Yep. Whenever you do all that, share it with your friends. I'm sure they'll appreciate you sharing it with them.
0: Yeah. Send us an email if you want. Yeah. Podcast versus everyone at gmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, complaints, It'd be cool to get some questions. Yeah. If you leave a review, uh, like actually leave a review, don't just like rate us and then leave a review. That's fun. Yeah. If we get more, I'll start reading them. We I mean, that. we have quite a few, but we have a lot of ratings, but not so many reviews. Yeah. Um. So if you actually review, it's more fun. I agree. Um, more fun for us, and then people can read it and say, "Oh, people, that what are they saying about it?" Because almost everyone has a good star rating. Yeah. Um. So that, well, um, because you know, if you, for...
1: you listen to the podcast, you probably like it, right?
0: Yeah. But uh, we do. We do have a few that uh It's <laughs> true.
1: Sorry, not sorry.
0: But yeah, all right. All
1: right. Go Cougs, Craig.
0: Yeah, go Cougs, Jeff.